0: Hub and Spoke. Audio Collective.
1: Welcome to Rumble Strip, America Heilman. Fair warning, this story involves suicide.
2: He'd write little notes to find in weird places. You know, he'd write notes on on logs. So when we would, you know, in the winter, deep in the winter, go out to get wood for the fire there'd be like a, hi mama, I love you. I found one of them this summer. I I was afraid I was going to, but also really wanted to. I couldn't decide which way I wanted to go with that. (laughs) He just recognized coziness and was always trying to, to create that, what you know the blanket felt like was important, or like let's get our pajamas on, you know, and and let's we make cookies. He just recognized the importance of little things you could do to make day to day life so much exponentially better, and he um, was determined to to do that all the time. He appreciated. Leaving the light on all night, so there would be a bunch of moths in the morning, or he appreciated a perennial garden and and would say like, "Look at their perennial garden," <laughs> you know, or or a compost pile, a, a perfect song being played at at the perfect time. What did he look like? He um he wasn't very tall. He was five seven or. He had long, he, um, when he was little, he had really long hair, like down close to, you know, his hip bones probably. And then, um, as a teenager, he would let it grow, you know, down past his shoulders, cut it, let it grow long again. Um, but then, um, about a month before he died, he had, he cut it. That's something I think
1: about a lot. Yeah. That's Tara, Finn's mother. Finn Rooney killed himself on January 3rd, 2020, in the afternoon after school. This story will not explain why he did this, as if anyone can explain why a person takes his own life. Suffice to say that not a single person in his life predicted this, there were no signs. The closest one can say is that there was a flash of high emotion that comes with youth, and there was a gun nearby and bullets. This is not a story about suicide. It's a story about a boy called Finn Rooney, who lived in Walden, Vermont, near Hardwick, with his mother, Tara, and brother, Lyle, and occasionally his father, Alex, who is a long-haul truck driver. A boy who loved to fish and play baseball. He played the euphonium not very well, He was the student body president, and right before he died, he had an idea about a bell. This is Finn's friend, Alex, talking about the town of
3: Hardwick. Well, Hardwick's more like a, you know, they got pretty much everything to a certain extent. There's a couple grocery stores, but they ain't big by any means. There's a Walgreens. There's a couple banks, two hardware stores, gun shop. car dealership the Ford dealership. So there's not a whole lot, but it's definitely more than what Greensboro has.
1: What is the? And What are the people like in Hardwick different from Greensboro?
3: Well, Greensboro, they're more... I've come across from working at Willie's over here in Greensboro. That Gre- The Greensboro folk are a little more high class, I guess you can call it. They have a little more... Their pockets are a little deeper. They're a little more liberal, I guess you could say, but then Hardwick, you know, just a bunch of hicks, a good chair of them. Hardwick's
0: kind of like, it's the perfect combination of hippies and rednecks. Hippie redneck combination type of thing. This is Finn's friend, Allie. For lack of a better word, like a cesspool of like hipnecks. What was Finn? Finn was a total hipneck. He was the most ideal combination of a hip neck you can get. He wasn't, cause sometimes there's some that are like 70, 30% hippie redneck. Finn was 50, 50, he was right in the middle. If you needed him to help you weed your garden, he'd do it. If you needed him to help fix your truck, you'd do it. It was just, he was very much in the middle, could do anything you asked him to do. They partook in activities of every single crowd around. This is Mac. He was the star baseball player. He was the student council president. He was. He liked to go and fish and hunt and work on his truck. He did everything, and he, that's why he was friends with everybody.
1: Again, here's Finn's mom, Tara.
2: You know, there's it's a farming community, a logging community. Um, people have lived here for six generations. There's like last names that are last names, you know? And um, Finn was like, how long would it take for Rooney to be like a Hardwick last name? You know? And people were like, 200 years, maybe, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so we were like, we've got a work cut out for us. So he was, he was active in Bread and Puppet, a theater group in Glover as a really little kid. When we first moved here in 2010, He really wanted to do that. So he joined the band kind of, or he would like play in parades and stuff that first year we came, but he was also looking for um, establishing himself in Hardwick. And that was, that's a different trajectory. (laughs) And so he um, joined the volunteer fire department. He was a junior firefighter when he was, I guess that would be the first year we moved here. Butch, our neighbor was the assistant fire chief and had been in the fire department for 50 years or something, and and offered Finn to go. We had a pager. The pager would go off in the middle, middle of the night, and, and Finn would get his gear on real fast and go out in Butch's truck, and Butch would take him to these fires.
4: And he was very interested in everything. This is Butch. He paid attention to every last thing that was going on, and he wanted to learn everything that was going on. When you're out of fire, he was... Right there, want to see how everything was done and why it was done. And that that was him. He was just, he was 17, but his mind was, I think, way more than 17.
3: I first met Finn. Uh, we went fishing.
1: This is Aaron.
3: We had our fishing spots, and people always wanted to go with us, but it was usually just a me and him thing. It was really fun going trout fishing with him because he knew the rivers pretty well.
1: That's as much as Aaron wanted to say to me. I asked if, instead of talking, he could take me to one of their fishing spots. This is good.
3: So this is one of me and Finn's fishing spots. Where are we? We are at one of me and Finn's fishing spots.
1: You're not going to tell me where this is? No,
3: I won't tell anybody where this spot is. It's me and Finn's spot.
1: This is the sound of the Bread and Puppet Circus.
2: He um, wrote poetry, embroidered, (laughs) drove his truck really fast, pissed off the neighbors, loved a good meal, like, this is so good, Mama. I remember he would uh, go out sometimes when I was making dinner and, and pick like seed heads, put them in a mason jar and stick it on the table, light candles, you know, without asking. He liked a well-set table.
1: That's it, Finn!
0: Woo! This is Mirko, Finn's baseball coach. Finn had this glove that was given to him and during the game, it, the strings would break, and we'd restring it, and we are like, try to give him a glove. And he's like, Coach, this is the glove. Then he had these cleats that were duct taped up. There's a new pair of cleats that were given to We never had metal cleats, and at this level, they can wear metal. And then I see him at practice, he's wearing his old duct tape cleats up. And I'm like, Vinden, you got a new set of cleats? Coach, those are for games only. I wear those for games. So then, after every game, he'd take them off and wipe them down and put them back in the box. We'd brought some teams in New England, and we represented Vermont, and the coaches from the other team would come up to me and say, "Who's that center field?" If I had nine players like that, So even coaches that never coached them could see. His work ethic and his love for the game.
2: Lyle and Fenwood, every day for hours, that was the sound of summer was... Like the the sound of a ball getting into a glove. Come on, Lyle. Like let's go outside and I find baseballs in the yard, you know, in the field all the time. Still, because before we had the sheep, the grass would just get too big and they lose them. the The ball, that sound. I give just about anything in the world to hear that. Yeah.
4: It was a Friday evening, and I was at home and the phone rang.
1: This is Hazen Union High School Principal David Perigo.
4: It was our director of guidance telling me that she had some horrible news and I said okay and she said we have reason to believe that one of our students took their own life this afternoon and I shook my head and just said how do we know that what do you mean we we have reason to believe and who are we talking about And when she told me that we were talking about Finn Rooney, I just didn't know what to make of it. And, you know, within a couple hours, we had confirmed that it had happened. And I went to bed that night thinking... I don't know what to do. I I, I want to go to sleep and I want to wake up and I want this all to be gone. And I went to sleep that night and when I woke up this morning, I was like, we've just had a terrible thing happen to our community. It's really big and we got to step into this and figure it out. And Finally that morning in a conversation with Finn's mom Tara We had to have that conversation about how we were going to deal with this in The community we had to communicate to the larger community that this had happened But from the very beginning Tara was very clear We are not going to back away from the fact that this was a suicide this was a suicide and I can't tell you how helpful that was. I mean, that lifted such a burden from our shoulders about trying to pussyfoot around some kind of gentle way of breaking this to people that was going to be half true because everybody in this community knew exactly what had happened. And I give Finn's family enormous credit. They were generous in their grief and that was so helpful to the rest of us who were stry- trying to figure out where do we fit here where do we where do we fit in
2: people just um rallied around us like a go fund me and a, a meal train and a, a somewhere for us to stay for a couple of weeks boxes of like toilet paper and like Tea and bourbon, so much bourbon, and like um, and Lyle plays basketball, and I went to the games, which I can't believe now because I was sort of in serious shock still then. And we would sort of walk, and there would almost be like a like a sea parting, but but not obnoxious. Like I can't I can't explain it. It was just like reverence almost. That's not the right word. Reverence isn't the right word. It was It was um, just care. They'd play the national anthem, which is obviously like a big thing for baseball. And I was like a mess, like sobbing every time they play the national anthem. But then whoever I was sitting by would like put their hand on my shoulder. And whether it was like a logger or like a mom or a... People just held us. Tom Gilbert from Black Dirt Farm set up this, this bonfire where he burnt rafters from his, from his barn, like 100-year-old, very special rafters. And, and hundreds of people from town came and there were snow machines and there were farmers on John Deere's singing hippie songs. And it was deep during the primaries so politics were just really ugly at that time. Faye was so eager for that to be over just so people could have a bonfire. He used to say, I just wish we could all have a bonfire. And there it was. And it was, it was really beautiful, really uh, transcendent.
1: And uh, really sad. Finn was student body president at Hazen Union High School, and in the months before he died, he heard a story about a bell, an old bell that used to hang in the belfry at Hardwick Academy in the middle of town before the school was knocked down in 1970 and Hazen Union High School was built right up the hill. He heard that they would ring this bell when Hardwick teams won away games so that the whole valley knew about the win altogether. Finn Rooney loved this idea, which maybe isn't surprising. He was a kid who had some notion of community being something inclusive and participatory, a verb even. He wanted to live in a town where there was a bonfire and everybody came.
2: Finn was not a fan of smartphones or the Internet in a lot of ways, so this was a way that people communicated that was different than posting it on Facebook. <laughs> and he really loved that idea. He also thought that it could bring together different f- people in Hardwick. The whole election and stuff was really bumming him out. And he thought this was a way of, of um, everybody would be excited to hear the bell. So he ran for student body president. And that was sort of his main platform was that he was going to get the bell back to Hazen, and there was, yeah! And actually, everybody was like, what do Kids didn't know about the bell. But he explained that there used to be this bell, and that he was going to get the bell back. But that he also didn't want it just to be for sports, that he was going to make it, like, if somebody won a spelling bee, or if somebody was born, that they would ring the bell. We talked about it a lot at dinner. Um, his dad says he remembers Finn being in his truck, and talking about the bell like it, it was just this this thing and so then when he died quickly there was a lot of talk about
4: getting the bell it sort of took on a life of its own finn passed away in early january the first week of january and his passing just rocked the community at a level that um, was inexplicable No one would have ever believed that this could have happened to Finn. So when Finn passed, the community was in shock for quite a long time. And this memory of this dream that he had about the Hardwick Academy bell began to resonate with people.
1: It turned out some people in town didn't want to give up the Hardwick bell, but then Dave Perigo got a call. There was another bell lying on the bank outside the Greensboro Town Hall. It was the bell from the old Greensboro school, which also had closed when the schools unionized and Hazen was built, and the people of Greensboro were glad to donate it to Hazen. The fact that he felt strong enough
5: that Hazen's community could use a a bell that would bring the school together for all of our high points, you know, games and graduations, just to ring out you know, I think that's that's a, a wonderful thing, and surprisingly no one had come up with that before.
1: This is Greensboro town clerk Kim Greaves.
5: Everybody was supportive of having our bell taken care of in a way that uh, obviously we had not done, and, I mean, it's got a wicked, beautiful tone, and I think it's going to be spectacular. As old as it is, it's an incredible tone, so it's going to... Hopefully, you know, I mean, all the the games and the graduations that'll ring forever and it will um, be restored to its glory.
3: My truck's a 83 Chevy K30. Um, It's a single cab long bed. It's an eight inch lift, 40 inch tires. Makes about 500 horse. Had some transmission problems recently, but let's hope it holds together for today's mission. Then wanted to bring this bell to Hazen. And Finn's family asked if I wanted to haul the bell with my Chevy. I mean, it is a real sharp-looking truck, but...
1: Are you nervous?
3: Yeah, I am. I don't know if my truck's going to hold together. I got the whole town of Hardwick and Greensboro on my shoulders. So I don't need to mess this up by any means. But if I do, if my truck does die, then Finn would have definitely appreciated that
1: so on a rainy day in the spring people gathered in the parking lot at the greensboro town hall for the moving of the bell baseball players butch and the walden fire department town clerks and farmers in the bread and puppet band and alex with his enormous bright red truck
3: couple nights. Oh, did you? Yeah. I had a fox come in and kill 11 of mine. Oh, that's what happened to mine. Oh, the you
4: killed them? Yeah. Uh, I had seven, then I had five. So thank you all very, very much for joining us on this very special occasion here today. When we began to launch this bell project, one of the things we thought of was that we might get our own bell. We might have a bell made for us, special. And then when this bell appeared, we realized what a gift, not a new bell, a young, inexperienced bell, (laughs) but a bell with maturity and spirit, a bell that has rung out to the community of Greensboro throughout its history, and a bell that will become our bell in Hazen. So we're incredibly grateful to the town of Greensboro for this So, in our appreciation today, we would like to present this letter to the Town of Greensboro. Uh,
5: Dear Greensboro Select Board and residents of the Town of Greensboro, on behalf of our entire Union, I would like to extend our deepest thanks to our friends and fellow Union members of the Town of Greensboro for your gracious gift of the former Greensboro school bell to Hazen and the entire Union. The gift has allowed us to advance a dream first articulated by our former student body president, Finn Rooney, to bring a working bell back to Hazen to once again ring out over the hills and the valleys of our community, to inform, to celebrate, to unify, and to heal, a theme that is tremendous part of our beloved Finn's (coughs) legacy. Today we plan to welcome your bell to its new life as our union's bell. Sorry. We commit to caring for it in its new home and respecting its great history as it begins its new life and mission to once again and into perpetuity sound its golden tone across our beloved greater community.
4: like to motivate and inspire this group of people with the revving of your truck uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool that would get people like mobilized and realizing that
3: we're about to go all the fire trucks are already down there
1: And so Alex and Lyle and a few other guys loaded the bell into the back of Alex's 83 Chevy K30 and the whole party, along with the Walden Fire Department and the Bread and Puppet Band, convoyed down to Hazen Union to deliver the bell to its next home, just like Finn wanted.
2: It, It never felt clumsy. It was, like, so... Not clumsy in a town that maybe a lot of people consider clumsy and and sort of, you know, Hardwick. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of jokes about Hardwick. It was sort of that idea of Hardwick that was actually the most beautiful, real human experience of my entire life. I'd walk to the, go to my mechanic, and he was sobbing and, like, can I change your oil? (laughs) Or, like, the diner has a sandwich named after him. The one-year anniversary, there were people made snowflakes with his name on them and taped them all around town. The bell... He came home, I was on the couch, and and normally, as as soon as either of the boys come in, I would check in with them, you know, look at their face and ask them how their day was, and they very rarely even got up the steps without us talking for 10 minutes or something about about their day. Um, But this day was different, and his dad caught him at the door. we didn't, it was winter and we needed wood for the fire. And I said, hey, Finn, can you grab some wood for the fire? And he said, yep. And he t- went back outside and grabbed some wood for the, for the wood stove, was coming in through the mudroom. And his, I said, or his dad said, hey, you want to go out to get something to eat? And Finn said, nah, I'm not hungry. And uh, he went upstairs his dad and his brother and I were all sitting downstairs in the living room next to the next to the chimney. And the chimney went through Finn's bedroom. So we were probably down there for five minutes. (laughs) The sound (laughs) went right down the chimney and It took a long time to sort of... I mean, it probably was half a second, but in my head, it... it I knew. Then we all started screaming, pretty much, except Lyle. He was just standing there and... And, uh... I, let's, I'm just going to go get Butch. Butch will know what to do. He's on the fire squad and... And I, I went outside, it was snowing, it was beautiful. I I put on whichever boots I could find. They they were mismatched and, and like one was Finns and one was Lyles, like bogs. And uh they were both left feet. <laughs> and I and I it was like I was watching it all. I can't I can't explain, but um but not what like it, it's not that I wasn't present, I, I was like fully present, but also like watching it at the same time. I don't know if that makes any sense. But I, I, I got to their barn. They have this big floodlight on their house. I, I, I got there and it was snowing. And, and you know, sometimes when you look up at a light and it's snowing, it's like so beautiful. And um, I, I stopped screaming. I, I'd been screaming this whole way. And I, I looked up at that light. It was snowing, and um, it, it felt like there was no time, like at all. Like, and and the whole life flashing before your eyes thing. I guess there was a part of that because I could see Finn and all of his ages all at once, all at once, and and me all at once, and like uh, everybody I'd ever met all at once. <laughs> I mean, it sounds so, but like, you know, like volcanoes and like dinosaurs and um, the Big Bang. uh, Seasons like rapidly changing, you know, Um, like me getting old uh, without him. Him being old, like. It kind of was like me, Finn and God. I'd say that's best way I've ever described it and I I felt like Finn was like gathering like like all of what was left of him like the energy that was still like all like everywhere because he was just such a big person and and I I was like sort of waiting kind of patiently almost for it to all like gather and then it was like, like it, it, it just sort of got in me somehow is how I felt it. I, I, you know, I've explained this like very few times, but um, it was like infinite compassion for like every single person that had ever lived, like including me and, and, and including Finn for doing this. I remember saying out loud, Oh! (laughs) Like I understood for for just a second there, like why we were alive. And it felt like it was (laughs) for each other.
0: I used to play this game.
1: I want to thank every single person who talked with me for this show. All of these interviews were important in ways that is hard to describe. I especially want to thank Finn's mother, Tara Reese, whose openness and insights were astonishing and generous. I also want to thank my friends Amelia Meath, Tobin Anderson, Claire Dolan, and Mark Davis, without whom I could not have made this show. I put a lot of really great pictures of Finn up on my website if you want to see them. Just go to RumbleStripVermont.com and click on the show page and you'll find a photo gallery there. While you're there, if you have a comment, I would love to hear from you. And if you like this story, please send it to people who you think might like to hear it too. RumbleStrip is a proud member of Hub and Spoke, a collective of independent podcasters from all over the country. To see all of our shows, you can go to HubSpokeAudio.org. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline telephone number is 800-273-8255. This is Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening.